Yeah, I, uh, that, that I would have all kinds of sexy type robot movies. Oh yeah, they're all over the place. Oh yeah, you can hardly get away from them. No, it's like every movie has a subplot where there's a sexy robot. Mm, they like. live. Yeah. Um, those, well, those were Forrest Gump. Robots. Forrest Gump. Yeah. <laughs> that was a that was a terrifying or uh, lovely robot. Um, uh, American Graffiti, American Graffiti, um, uh, Wayne's World. Yep, Wayne's World, which I've only seen once. You've only seen once. <laughs> um, what else was there? There was that Pearl Jam documentary. Yeah, PJ Twenty. PJ Twenty was the name of the mm-hmm. the robot. I think the robot. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's Pearl Jam robot. They always yeah. take it on stage. And then there was Blade Runner. Uh, Blade Runner. Yeah, Harrison Ford played the sexy yeah. robot yeah the sexy robot with harrison ford oh my gosh Jesus christ greetings citizens of earth welcome to accelerative thrust podcast i'm dan and i'm eric and today we are going to be reviewing not one, not two, but three. I don't know why I keep doing that. That is so uh, just corny, but I'm still going to keep doing it, at least with this episode, because I can't go back in time now. Well, I uh, three albums, <laughs> um, two, <laughs> two personal picks, one from Eric, who it's a record that he's been into for, well, not probably more than just this last week, but specifically this last week and one that I've been into uh, particularly this last week. And also one from the quad cities, dark psychedelic group, dark family. Uh, Before we get into all that, I just want to remind you all that we are on both Facebook and Instagram. If you're in a band and would like to be featured on our show as a guest or um, if you would like us to review your record, or if you got any shows coming up Mm -hmm. or know of any shows coming up, or if you have a record that you would like us to review, that's not a local record uh, message us uh, on the page. And if you just want to say hi, go ahead and do that as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, This show is available to listen to on Transistor, Spotify, Content Made Right, Google, Amazon, and now on the YouTube (laughs) I will start adding uh, the episode, starting with um, the episode with Sweeping Promises and a whole bunch of other great bands that I can't think of right off the bat. Um, And then uh, I'm going to be adding uh, the new episodes, um, not right on Thursday, the day that they get uploaded to the streaming platforms, but within a few days afterwards. And uh, I'm going to try and make that in as much of a timely manner as possible. I'm not going to make any promises, though. And that brings us to current events. Uh, One of the uh, least important things I'm going to start with, because I'm just going to quickly mention this. Limp Biscuit did it, ladies and gentlemen. They released a new song. It's called Dad Vibes. Hmm. Didn't see that coming. Hmm. I haven't heard it. Uh, so I can't really give my opinion on the dad vibes, but you know, I, with I the- think it probably goes like this. Like that. Well, do you think that he actually screams about dad vibes? Probably screams about dad bods. 
dad bots. Yeah, that's right. He um he's screaming about sexy dad bots. Oh no, not dad bots. Dad bods. Oh bods. Okay, but, I thought you, you meant know, bots. I'm, I, yeah, da- daddy bots. I'm daddy sure bots. That's, yeah. that's somebody's kink out there. <laughs> that, that sounds like it. one of the best. That might be possible. my kink. <laughs> that sounds like a rapper's name right there, daddy bots. <laughs> Man, all right. Uh, um, in other news, that I'm not sure if, how relevant this might be. Um, I mean, to me, it's interesting. I guess I don't know. David Lee Roth has apparently retired. Um, yeah, uh, from what music? What, music what apparently. <laughs> music apparently, because that's what uh, the headline says. Gosh, I, what, I don't what even a know. Hit. What a loss! <laughs> I don't. I don't even know. When the last time I heard anything from David, no, Lee I was. think I heard him do a bluegrass version of Jump or Panama, mm-hmm. like ten, <laughs> 10 years ago or something, on like the a morning show. A bluegrass know. version of Jump. Yeah, it was a song that is good. solely based on a synthesizer line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it might have wow. been Panama. I don't remember, <laughs> but um, yeah, and then. Like, because that was in conjunction with him supposedly about to rejoin Van Halen, and then mm. that fell through because, yeah, yeah, because he's Dave, and um, that's the last I've heard from him. So, I don't, I don't know if we really needed the announcement. I think we all, <laughs> yeah. as, we all assumed kind of seemed pretty obvious from the get go, yeah. didn't it? But, uh, I guess, but I guess he can come out of retirement now, and then that yeah. would be big news, but you know what. Congratulations, David Lee Roth. I mean, he's obviously, he obviously deserves it. And I got to say that I do think David Lee Roth in rock music is one of the best charismatic frontmen ever. I would agree. I think he's great. I I really do like David Lee Roth a lot too. Yeah. I, I love David Lee Roth's voice too. Um, Have you ever heard the uh, Sonrisa Salvaje? It's the Spanish version of Eat 'em and Smile. No, I don't think so. It is phenomenal. Really? It's so good. Was it like, sung by David Lee Roth? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's so good. Like the the Spanish version of Yankee Rose is just I don't know. It's it's something miraculous. It's a beautiful thing. So you know, you know, one of the things. <laughs> Before we move on, one of the things that I got to say that I really respect about David Lee Roth Mm -hmm. is that he had the um, nerve to say that none of his idols, none of the people he worshipped were musical in any way whatsoever, Mm -hmm. while fronting like the biggest rock band, arguably at that time that they came out, you know, Van Halen. I mean, he said like his his influences were always like evil Knievel and guys like that. <laughs> like, and then dude, it totally shows in his like yeah. stage presence that that's totally makes sense. And I just, I love the fact that he had the nerve to say that. Cause you know, that yeah. there were probably people out there that were just like, yeah, he doesn't even, you know, he's not even into music and he's fronting this band. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, well, I think he knew his job and he knew how exactly. to do it really well. I don't know how much is that that was really made based on musicianship. Right. No, nor do I think it needed to be. That's not I mean, at all. That's, I guess that's what you were saying is like that him yeah. being a, an amazing vocalist, traditional 
musical vocalist had very little to do with why he was on the stage. Well, and when you're in a band with Eddie Van Halen, the music part's mm -hmm. already covered. Yeah. Van Halen wouldn't have been the same band without David Lee Roth, you no. know? There's no. just no way. Okay, now this is something <laughs> that I want to get your total take on here, Eric. Okay. All right. So, you know, you and I, we did an entire episode on Iron Maiden. So yes. we know, or the listeners know, that we're pretty big Maiden fans, right? We like them, yeah. We like Maiden, yes. They just released their uh, new album, Sinjutsu, which is, uh, I think, actually has a really cool cover, and it's a Samurai Eddie. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've actually listened to some of it. It's mm -hmm. not bad. But anyway, the, the review on metalsucks.com talked mm -hmm. about how only three songs clock in at under seven minutes. And it just kind of seems like maybe some of the songs are a little too slow and mm. uh, they're trying to go for this epic thing, which that's actually been a thing with new Maiden records. Like, mm -hmm. I think it was pretty much the same thing with the last record book of souls mm -hmm. and final frontier. I've noticed that like, at least on the last four albums, the songs are all just extremely long and maybe don't necessarily seem like they need to be. And maybe that's <laughs> kind of part of my issue with mm -hmm. some of the new maiden stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I still like a lot of it, you mm -hmm. know, but anyway, uh, there's a YouTuber by the name of Erraticist, and using modern technology, he decided to fix, quote unquote, those problems. And the, in the video description, it says, this is for those of you who have issues with the tempo and length of the Iron Maiden album, Sujitsu. <laughs> I have adjusted the tempos to all different parts of the songs and removed a lot of the repetitive parts which brought the album from 82 minutes down to 60 minutes. And it now sounds like brave new world era maiden. Oh. Then he follows it up with this was done with love and respect for iron maiden. <laughs> and I hope you enjoy it up the hirons now and forever. Now I wanted to kind <laughs> <Okay>. of, <laughs> I wanted to touch on this because are we just living in a world now where people just, they don't like something and they, 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 they're, they just change it. Like, I don't know, like this seems yeah. <laughs> dangerously close to like, give me what I want or else. And, you know, it's like, I don't know, man. Like, so if, if he's able to do this with an Iron Maiden record, I, I don't know. Like, like, it's almost getting to the point where it's like, what is the point of even releasing music anymore? There are people out there that may not like this album, but there are people out there that do. I don't know, man. Like to me, this kind of just seems like you're just messing around with somebody's artwork and not to mention arguably one of the biggest, if not the biggest metal <laughs> band. I don't know this. What's your yeah. take on this? Well, um, this is going to sound really weird, but sometimes my actual opinion of something is sort of trumped or usurped by a existing conviction that I have. Uh -huh. And so, I, like I said, I know that sounds kind of funny, but here's the thing. I'm a huge, huge proponent of fair use. Uh -huh. And I love people chopping up other people's music. Like I, I love it. I love the idea of someone taking someone else's recordings, chopping it up, making it into something else making it a parody of itself, making it 
what they want to hear. Like, I just, I really like it. And I really don't think anything is necessarily sacred enough that you shouldn't be able to kind of destroy it as art, you know? But with that being said, I don't think anything holds that much more merit than the next thing once it's a derivative. Mm-hmm. So I tried to listen through the the, the record uh, Senjutsu. I can't mm-hmm. really say it. And I thought it was fine, but I also thought, wow, this is really kind of bloated and everything. Yeah. And, but I didn't have the inkling to just make it into the record I wanted to hear. It seems to me that I would, if I wanted to hear a specific type of music or something, I would figure out a way to just make that music instead of remixing someone else's. Like, I've always had the secret dream of having a band that sounds just like uh, the Slayer cover album. Undisputed oh, uh, Undisputed Attitude, yes. Yeah, yes. I've always thought if that's what Slayer sounded like, they would be, I mean, I love Slayer, don't get me wrong, mm. but that is like a different band. And mm. it's a band I would love to hear more from, you know? And so I know I'm going off track a little bit here, but instead of just being like, well, I'm going to take all the Slayer records and turn them into that one or that sound, why wouldn't I just start a band that sounded like Undisputed Attitude era Slayer, you know? So I don't know. I guess I'm saying contradictory things, but I do love when people chop up and mess up and remix things that other people put out. But I also think that if the idea is that I'm going to make this better than the person that made it originally, I don't really see the point of that. You know what? You know, you know, you know what, Eric? What's that? You just single-handedly changed my mind about the whole thing. <laughs> and no, no, seriously, because you made me think about the music I like. And mm-hmm. to be honest with you, this really isn't too much different than something like Negative Land did or something that like, or even like sampling, like, yeah. And I'm also a big supporter of fair use and i like Mm -hmm. zines i like copy and paste zines right that take um sources and also at the same time it's not like he's taking this album and then claiming it as his own which i think would be hilarious yeah i would almost appreciate that more (laughs) even more if he's like this is my new band senjutsu Hi, my name is Ron Maiden. (laughs) (laughs) This is my new Um, record. Yeah, exactly. It's called Shih Tzu. (laughs) I, yeah, uh, I probably would have appreciated right off the bat and probably, but yeah, no, you made me think more about the situation. And actually it's kind of cool that we have access to all this stuff. Um, Yeah. So I guess like the takeaway and what I'm going to, what I'm going to encourage everybody to do, steal everything you can. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Fuck everything I said earlier, man. I totally support this. No, I, seriously. I, I don't know what the fuck. I don't know what I was thinking. I was so wrong. Well, so wrong about with that. that being said, let's put this to the test. Any music that I put out fair use, anyone fair out use. there can use it, remix it, trash it. I don't care. Put your Same here uh, with me. They're, they're, I, I same here, but with me, um, just give me a million dollars. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. all I want. And then it. do whatever you want. Who cares? Yep. Do whatever you want. As long as you give me the money. <laughs> um, that's all I care about. If oh you don't, I'll gosh. sue you. <laughs> um, 
like the uh, Nirvana baby. Yeah. Which, by the way. Oh, um, God, we can't talk about the Nirvana baby. Well, <laughs> no, we're actually going to talk about Dave Grohl and oh. a demon dog that looks like Pennywise the Clown. Holy smokes. Okay. But before that, let's. Yeah. I, I, uh, Dave Grohl said that he has some ideas on uh, how to all change the cover of Nevermind for the reissue. Okay. So I don't know. Maybe they're actually looking at a different cover for Nevermind now. Wow. Yeah. Besides just a eunuch baby. Besides just a eunuch baby. Hmm. Well, but we'll see. We'll see. None what of this stuff is <laughs> none of this stuff is nearly as interesting as a demon dog that looks like Pennywise the clown. Yeah, I, I saw that demon dog. So kind of looks like Pennywise. He kind of looked like have you ever seen the um killer clowns from outer space yes yes. yeah it kind of looks like one of those guys i I don't know their names yeah yeah it's a demon dog that's giving its neighbors the death stare from behind a fence it's a scary dog leaving people terrified i have a feeling that this is like the most um exaggerated article ever Uh, my my guess is that this is just a photo that someone caught although it almost doesn't even if you see the photo it almost doesn't look real because it looks like somebody's just placing him over it looks the, pretty cool i like him yeah it kind of reminds it's me of like photo. a chuck e cheese character too yeah yeah bit. yeah something weird like that something like a very, muppet puppet yeah creepy and, puppet. Eerie and, <laughs> and the, i think the reason why the it the um pennywise reference is there mm. um I just think it might be because, you know, he's got like, um, you know, a Pennywise's hair is like red, but it, mm-hmm. it, the hair on this dog is literally like where Pennywise's hair is. Yeah, you know? I'm it's sure like, glad the dog doesn't have red hair. <laughs> that would make it even more eerie. Would I would I would be pretty freaked out if I saw him. Definitely, that, especially like looking over the fence like that. Yeah, I would know? probably scream and then just fall on the ground laughing at how yeah, scared yeah. I was of the dog. Cause you know, you can tell by the picture that no matter what you did, he would just keep looking at you like, that. yeah. Well, and I mean, especially if you were the one that caught that photo, yeah, like it would make it even, which I mean, somebody had to take that photo. So was it the neighbors that were terrified that were just like, Hey, Hey, make sure you get this. Or was it staged where it was like, Oh, you know, I, I, I don't know. It looks it. I don't. Hmm. It looks like a real, just a snapped photo. Yeah. But. And I think it is. I don't think it was staged. I mean, <laughs> nobody has a reason to do that. Well, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> who knows? Um, yeah. All right. So the last bit of news that I have here, <laughs> this is, this to me is the, um, the big one, man. This, this oh. is fantastic. Uh, also, scary and interesting and mm. funny mm. all at the same time wow shit so a man uh who was 50 years old and i this name i'm gonna butcher but i'm gonna take a crack at it behan mutlu or mutlu I'm sure that's exactly right <laughs> was declared missing by his wife after going out for drinks before wandering off into the woods this mm. was in Kayaka, Turkey. So the concerned party contacted the police after spending hours trying to find him. 
It all ended well after he stumbled upon a group of volunteers in the area who were helping the authorities search for him. He inadvertently ended up joining the group of rescue workers for, I, I wonder how long he yeah. was doing this before not only he realized that he was looking for himself, but they were looking for him. Wow. What was his first name again? Behan. So do you think Behan is such a common name that he would be going around with the search party just yelling, Behan, and not realize <laughs> that it was his own name? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Oh, oh, you mean like the other people were yelling for Behan? Like, yeah. Well, well he, he was yelling it too. Yeah. <laughs> And he's loaded too. I never like, right from that. the story oh, you wow. can tell he's just loaded. <laughs> okay, and like, who are I, you looking for? Oh, this dude named Beha. Okay, let's go I totally, get him, dude. That would be hilarious. Like, like how he, long was he doing it for? I want two hours. Behan, Behan. <laughs> <laughs> We're never gonna find this fucking guy. Come on, Behan. <laughs> well, I think it'd be even funnier if like his wife was in the search party, right? Didn't realize it was him. Well, what's he look like, miss? Well, actually, he looks just like you. He looks kind of like you, but <laughs> I don't know, a little different. When I saw that, I was just like, that's pretty interesting. Wow. And, but that would be kind of scary, like, you know, aspects of it. <laughs> You're missing somebody, a missing man. That's never a good thing. Oh, my gosh. But, you know, things wow. get fun. You know, tragedy gets fun sometimes. Well, I hope that he has a nice sober October. <laughs> sober October. <laughs> he earned it. <laughs> yeah. So um, that brings us to album reviews for yeah. the week. Number so, one. Yeah, I'll go. Uh, this record was suggested to me by Brian James. Uh, from oh, um, Endless Reach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, he's been a guest on our show. Yeah, he sent me a few things since we've had him on. This one was uh, pretty different, so I decided to put it on the show itself. It's called The Lion's Daughter is the name of the band. The record is called Skin Show, and it came out just now. Um, when Brian told me about it, he said, check this out. You might like it. It's horror-themed hardcore. And so I said, okay, I'll check it out. And I would agree that that seems to be the foundation of what we're hearing. Like hardcore, I would say there's other elements too, like other metal elements, maybe sludge, maybe a little black metal influence. I don't know. And then a lot of synthwave influence. And what makes this a little different than anything else I've heard is that those synthwave horror type elements, they go through the entire tracks usually they're not just an intro and then straight into hardcore or whatever uh they actually utilize it in the songs which is pretty cool the thing about this is and i'm going to talk about this on dan's pick too mm -hmm. is sometimes genre is a strange elusive and in my opinion sort of wrong thing i feel like with this when you add all the synths and electronics, it sort of ceases to be hardcore anymore. It, star mm -hmm. it starts to become something else. And, the, and I mean, it's very heavy music. I mean, it's straightforward, heavy, heavy music. But because of the synths, 
other elements. Like I said, it starts it starts to turn into something else. It's a little closer to like industrial metal. If I had to base it on the stuff I know, which is sort of the thing is I'm not that well versed in hardcore uh, of almost any subgenre of hardcore. I'm not that well versed in. So the things that I have to compare it to and the filter that it goes through, which is my brain, unfortunately falls on some things that other people might hear this and be like, that doesn't sound anything like that. You're just old and don't know anything, which <laughs> might be absolutely right. But when I listen to it, yeah, it's super heavy. But what came to mind for me was like Fear Factory, Ministry, Godflesh, um, some of the later Skinny Puppy stuff. And so that's really funny because I don't think anyone else would necessarily think that's what this sounds like. I think what they'll hear is hardcore with synthwave and horror elements. I would say though, that if you like industrial metal or you like hardcore, or if you like synthwave, just straight up John Carpenter or even Argento style, like Goblin and things like that, you might really like this. It also reminded me a lot of the band Denava. They, a lot of times will have synth parts going through the entire song. Um, and I came out of it really liking it a lot and I'll probably go back to it. But if I were to just come on here and say it's, it's horror hardcore, it would have a, I would think that that sounds different than what I actually heard on this record. So um, yeah. What'd you think, Dan? Yeah. Um, I mean, I agree with pretty much everything that you said. I think, the way that I would describe this record, because I kind of had a lack of really what to define this as completely, but mm -hmm. intense, gorgeous sounding synth metal, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. it, which I guess, you know, in a lot of ways, it, it could be industrial. There definitely is. I hear the industrial elements for sure. Um, but there's, you know, just a, really a lot of like great, just sounding synths blending with like all these different, I, I kind of thought that this was like, this is going to sound like an interesting, like comparison, I think. But like, if you took like Depeche mode, John Carpenter, maybe even like tube way army or the Eurythmics, cause there's kind of like, I guess, ambient sort of atmospheric mm -hmm. synthy stuff that you hear in like, a lot of the Depeche mode type stuff. And then if it like basically joined forces with high on fire, Mastodon, and maybe even like Dimu Borgir, because I actually mm -hmm. heard a lot of like orchestral black metal kind of going sure. on and, yep. and then the music as well. But I definitely hear like the ministry, the guy's voice actually reminded me at times a lot of Neil Fallon from clutch. Oh, sure. Uh, mm -hmm. from the first album, particularly mm -hmm. um, Transitional Speedway League. And there's even like some songs like, okay, the song Sex Trap. That mm -hmm. song straight up reminded me of like, if The Cure just replaced Robert Smith with a metal <laughs> right. vocalist. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous sounding stuff. But yeah, mm -hmm. uh, industrial, um, orchestral black metal. I think if you like all of the bands that were mentioned by both Eric and myself, I think that you could find something here. Um, I went into it not knowing what to expect, you know. The album is 
like the cover doesn't really, it almost doesn't, doesn't fit with what I would think the sound would be, which I think is awesome. I wasn't expecting a metal album from this. And that's totally what I got. The last song, the chemist, I believe it's called. Mm -hmm. It actually kind of reminded me a little bit of like um, mile marker. Hmm. Um, So there was like some, like kind of even a little bit of like, you know, electronic Mm -hmm. punk, just, just a, a smudge, you know, like, but definitely like industrial, new wave mm-hmm. i definitely heard the john carpenter horror influence hands down um yeah. i bet this would be an epic band to see live yeah for sure it would be yeah i really really like this and it totally makes sense to me that brian would recommend it to yeah. you. <laughs> totally makes sense okay so then that brings us to my pick for the week and in some ways i kind of think we picked somewhat similar records Mm -hmm. that are also in other ways, absolutely completely different. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. right. But the, the approach in the aesthetic is I could see how some could actually make some comparisons. I agree. Uh, So the name of the record is ultra pop and it's from this group called the armed. I don't know anything about the armed other than they are, an anonymous collective from Detroit that have a rotating guest list of musicians that they collaborate with and their early EPs. Now I've listened to actually a lot of stuff from them, not Mm -hmm. just this album, their early EPs were pretty much straight up hardcore. If you're a fan of converge cave in Coalesce, kind of that sort of stuff, um, I think that uh, you would you would love their early EPs, but a lot more straightforward than this album because this album is pretty much anything but straightforward. It's very evolved from that. It's it's not even funny. Like I actually <laughs> struggle to even to even think about how to describe this record. Mm-hmm. It's almost completely stripped away the hardcore element, and that's kind of what you think when you listen to it at first. And I think if you went back and listened to like their early EPs, you would think that from the first three or four albums, but then the hardcore element kind of starts to return, but in a completely altered form. Mm -hmm. This record is impressively, but insanely hard to describe. Parts of it are like sort of ambient dissonant drone pop. I mean, that's kind of the best I could come up with, but then some of it is just straight up noise rock with, very dense production and a lot of synths going on that will all of a sudden break into like ambient black metal style blast beats and then kind of revert back to like, I don't know, almost like a Husker do type thing or something. Or I I have a list of bands here that I put question marks behind Mm -hmm. that I could kind of almost compare them to, but I want to say that they don't really sound like any of these bands at all. Lightning bolt question mark at the drive-in question mark Hmm. Interpol question mark Atari teenage riot question mark Fagazi question mark my bloody Valentine question mark wolves in the throne room question mark. Uh, The list goes on and on. It's like they took their favorite parts from all of these records Mm -hmm. or something and 
really successfully put them together, but it's such a intriguing listen and very much a blast to listen to. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I would say it's like hardcore punk presented through the filter of like electronic pop music or something, Mm -hmm. but not in like the same way that something like Atari Teenage Riot is because Atari Teenage Riot is just straight up pretty much when you listen to an Atari Teenage Riot, it starts at one speed and remains that speed. Mm-hmm. It starts at one repetitive feeling and it stays that feeling all the way through. This record is just, I mean, a roller coaster of just sounds and uh, soundscapes and um, I don't know, genres. It's honestly, I mean, to me, this is some of the most interesting and exciting music I've heard in hardcore because i think at the core it is still a hardcore record despite all the things that they kind of throw in and all the curveballs um the energy and urgency of the record really reminds me i don't think it sounds like it but it reminds me of the energy of refused shape of punk to come Mm -hmm. to me it's impossible to pick a favorite track because it works so well as one piece they almost like the way that they structured it almost reminds me of a mixtape mm-hmm. kind of like in hip hop. It's, it's just really great. And then the last track has a, a very interesting guest appearance from Mark Lanigan, which is mm-hmm. awesome. I love this record. And to me, it was, it's probably a contender for quite possibly my, uh, the best record of 2021 so far mm-hmm. for me. What did you think, Eric? Yeah. So I'm going to say some things that are sound contradictory. Sure. And that's okay. Cause I usually do anyway. Sure. And I'm, this is going to sound weird, but I'm going to talk a little bit more about what I heard in this record versus what I heard on this record. And I know sure. that sounds confusing, but I'll get there. I promise. So first and foremost, I loved it. It was super fun, but it was super challenging, pretty difficult. Like the whole thing's only 38 minutes. When it got over, I could not believe that. It had it felt like at least twice that long to me. Yes. Because it's so complicated. And not only is it so complicated, but it's punishing. It's almost like power electronics as a part of the music. It's like Merzbo level white noise at times and it's just running you know kind of like the digital hardcore stuff where it's just like this constant barrage of noise but yeah like i said i loved it and it was super fun and it not only kept my interest the whole time but piqued my interest i was like what is going on here and i also had to go back and listen through the armed uh, their other stuff because i didn't understand how we got here yeah if this was the first release I would understand it almost better than them having a past catalog or a back sure. catalog, because if they just came out of the gate with this, I'd be like, Oh, okay. I get this. I really do. It's kind of like a hundred Gex meets Andrew WK. Fine. That's easy to understand. But when you're coming out of hardcore again, this was presented to me as hardcore and I just didn't hear it. That was the connection I was talking about with the lion's daughter earlier. Like yeah. maybe it's just that I don't understand what hardcore is, but that on both of these records, that's not how I would have described either of them. 
if, if no one had ever said that word, I wouldn't have thought that because for me, the armed the ultra pop ultra pop is a great name for this record because I really can't think of another way to describe what's happening here. And mm-hmm. it it's almost in this tradition of how far can we push pop music before it's not pop music anymore? You know, for me, it, it made me think of things like the misfits. There is literally, let me find the song title here. A Life So Wonderful is the melody from Hybrid Moments by the Misfits. I I was trying to figure out <laughs> so, what that was because yeah. I had heard that. And I remember like thinking to myself, this melody is so familiar, but right. I don't know what it is. So to me, it's like I said, in the tradition of these sort of pop groups that just pushed it as far as they could push it. The Misfits, the Ramones. Jesus and Mary Chain, Jay Retard, Andrew WK, Atari Teenage Riot, all of that stuff. Just in how noisy can we make this? How fast can we make this? And then the the flip side of that is it's also super epic somehow. Mm -hmm. Like elements of it reminded me of Enon or Polyphonic Spree or even ELO. Like the orchestration of the whole thing is just underneath this layer of uncontrollable white noise fuzz Mm -hmm. and the whole thing it's just assembled flawlessly and i think Mm -hmm. it is super fun but i would not put this on expecting to just have this feel like your summer party record like it's intense it's and so and it is heavy i mean there are thrash level speed on this thing Mm -hmm. for like a lot of it so like i said i came away from it loving it super interesting I would suggest everyone give it a shot, but at the same time, expect it to be a little off-putting because I yeah. mean, it is just noise. I loved it. So don't take any of that the wrong way. You should totally check it out. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely one of those things where um, for me, I understand. I could kind of see why it would it would fall under the hardcore mm-hmm. umbrella, I guess, and a lot of that is because of that record refuse shape of punk to come like right it there's so much going on here yeah um it's it's really like eric said it's really difficult to like wrap your head around both of these records fantastic and i think i think in a lot of ways both records are kind of similar in that way i agree yeah i was thinking it, that um earlier that somehow and that's what i mean by the genre thing yeah i guess if they're both hardcore then that's the connection now with i actually got with lion's daughter i got less hardcore and more metal yeah right but i could totally see how neither one of those descriptions for either release totally does it just does either one of them justice so that was sort of the connecting thing for me yeah wow here's two things that apparently fit under the same genre umbrella and i don't think they sound anything alike yeah no not at all you know (laughs) i don't think they sound anything alike but i think their aesthetics are kind of similar i agree with that um yeah now onto something that sounds completely different Mm -hmm. (laughs) than the other two but in a very good way this is the latest album from quad cities band dark family now dark family is a uh group that featured jeremy anderson for those of you who are unfamiliar with 
Jeremy Anderson, he was also in a couple of bands, Condor and Jaybird and Sunshine. So this is, um, I want to say the third band that Jeremy started. And like pretty much all of Jeremy's bands, they kind of all have a very dark psychedelic pop thing kind of going on. Um, That's sort of what Condor and Jaybird kind of set it off. And then I think Sunshine came next and Dark Family came after that. And they're all kind of similar, but also I think they're all completely different. I think when you're talking about the songwriting, Dark Family, I think, is maybe a little poppier and less proggier than Condor and Jaybird or even Sunshine. But regardless, this album is just full of, like I mentioned, 60s psychedelic pop influences, like some of it kind of reminds me of the Rolling Stones or the Beatles, uh, 13th Floor Elevators, Beach Boys. But I, I hear a lot, and this totally makes sense, of like the Brian Jonestown Massacre, who I know Jeremy's a big fan of. There's also some stuff like early Pink Floyd that kind of creeps in, but it's really, really great songwriting. Very catchy, jangly in parts. There's also like a collaborative element that I hear Uh, Because if I'm not mistaken, I hear a bunch of different vocalists at different times, which I think is kind of cool. Kind of a little bit of uh, 90s alternative, I guess, dream pop sort of going on too. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm thinking like Dandy Warhols, you know, or I love the track Scarlet Letter. But the entire thing, all eight songs, really, really great to listen to. If you're into that kind of stuff, I think that this and all of the bands that Jeremy has been in Condor and Jaybird and Sunshine, you're going to love it. You know, they always deliver their records always sound great. One thing that's really impressed me is uh, Jeremy's um, kind of been pretty prolific in his uh, work over the past few years. And there's been a lot of really great songs. Yeah. I think this record is exactly what it needs to be. And what it means to be, which is, you know, like a, like a psychedelic pop record. I know I've been repeating that over and over again, but what did you think, Eric? Yeah, I, um, I really liked it. I was, um, I was surprised at how much I liked it. And let me expound on that a little bit. When it first started, I was like, okay, I can see what's, what's going to happen here, you know? Mm -hmm. And instead I was super, surprised at how subtle and and subdued the influences were on them so what i mean by that is like this is basically like throwback 60s pop right Mm -hmm. with a psychedelic edge to it but the thing that i really really liked about it and having been in a band that was a throwback band actually too i know how easy it is to just rely on the source material and just rely on those tropes and just basically take from other people. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's what's happening here. I think this is original Mm -hmm. music. I think that it's focused on the songwriting. Mm -hmm. I think it's focused on arrangement. And even without those influences, these songs can stand on their own. And that's a pretty big statement 
for this kind of music. Because even in the 60s, when that was happening, I would say that there were a lot of bands that when I hear them, I'm like, well, they're just trying to sound just like this band. They weren't even original, but this really does feel super original to me. Yeah. Um, Like I said, it's focused on the songwriting with basically being influenced by the sounds and instruments of that time period, instead of trying to emulate or have it be the foundation of what you're doing. So I think these songs are super cool. Absolutely. Um, They're fantastic. Yeah. The arrangements are awesome. Um, I like that they go a lot of places, but they don't go so many places that you lose track of the song. Again, they're serving the song. They're not serving themselves or trying to be cool or try to fit into this specific genre or whatever else. I think they really are serving the songs, which happen to be great. The playing's great. The vocal performances are great. The recording's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. The thing is, I would put this, like this sounds to me kind of like a lot of the Elephant Six bands you know there you go there you go i didn't think of that yeah especially like of montreal maybe but even they get a little too novel yeah but this is recorded and i think it's recorded as well and is as good as those records by elephant the elephant six bands and that's saying a lot because those those albums are coveted those songs are are those records are like holy to people Mm -hmm. they're untouchable yeah and i think this could stand right next to those um things that i hear in there yeah the 90s kind of um dream pop shoegaze elements are there but definitely the zombies Mm -hmm. uh the beatles mamas and papas Mm -hmm. um the association strong alarm clock yeah the armed (laughs) uh but all of that stuff but only in some of the ideas and sounds, not the songwriting necessarily. Right. Songwriting right. is super unique and individual. I think it's only enhanced by the psychedelic 60s yeah. element of it all. So I thought it was great. Um, I wish I would have listened to Dark Family earlier, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have a chance to meet a couple of them, and I don't remember their names, but when I worked at the music store, and let me just say, if you guys ever want to sell that fake black Rickenbacker that has all the googly eyes glued <laughs> on it, let me know, because I, I thought that was a really cool guitar. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah. Uh, good albums. Good albums to listen to. Yeah. Anyway, here come your local shows. I wasn't uh, made aware of any new releases. So if you had one, I'm really sorry. But if you want to let me know, I'll mention it next week. Cause you know, what's a week really? Yeah. Yeah. So um, when this show comes out on Thursday, there will be a show. And I mentioned this on the last show, just so you weren't caught off guard, but Thursday um, river city collective presents hail the sun, Kurt, Travis, Kayanashi, body thief and bouquet that's at the village theater in davenport on friday the 8th you have quite a few things to choose from here you have riffs for a cure curse of hail druids 
the edicule and what lies within. I'm not exactly sure what they're raising money for, but it's obvious that it's something. Uh, Riffs for a Cure. That's at Lefty's Live Music uh in Des Moines. We also have Angel Bat Dawid, who just was here in Iowa City last week and gave an amazing performance. From what I've heard, I wasn't here, unfortunately. Angel Bat Dawid and Kumadi. That's at Roz Talks in Rock Island. Also on Friday is Britta Bader um, and then Harley and An- Angelia, who are part of the Femdex Collective. Um, and that show, I actually don't have a venue for. If you're interested in that, you'll have to go to Femdex Instagram page. Femdex is F-E-M-M-E-D-E-C-K-S. Um, it's a collective of female DJs and electronic artists um, hmm. out of this area. And so I don't have more information about that. So you will have to get a hold of them. Moving on to Saturday the 9th, it's going to be Mike Vallely, who is a professional skateboarder. He lives in Des Moines now. Um, and so he's a local artist. So Mike Vallely and the Complete Disaster. Huh. And they're going to have a few shows coming up. So you'll probably hear that more than a couple times. But that's going to be at the Lincoln Tap in Nevada. And then we got a few, guys. This is a big week. So <laughs> then on Sunday the 10th, another River City Collective show. Enterprise Earth, Reaping as Modia, Rig Time, Blind Equation, and Crimson Clean Sweep. That's a big bill. That sounds like an epic bill. And that's going to be at the Blackhawk Room in Moline, Illinois. Again, that was Sunday the 10th. Monday the 11th. This one also is Rig Time. So if you love them at the last show, then go to this one too. Rig Time, Gravis, Somnia, Slave Labor, Job for a Broken Back, Suddy and the Getaways, another hmm. huge lineup. That's going to be at Lefty's Live Music in Des Moines. And that, again, is on the 11th. Then on Tuesday the 12th, Off With Their Heads, whom I don't know, and Canadian Rifle, whom I don't know, are playing with Rational Anthem, who are awesome, hmm. at Gabe's in Iowa City. That's on the 12th. That's everything coming up this week that I was able to find and seemed cool. So. Yeah, holy yeah. smokes, that that was a lot. So plenty to plenty to do out there, man. Yeah, you know, go support your local scene. Go out and do stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Make sure, like I mentioned before, steal everything in sight. Yeah. Um, if someone if you wanna, didn't want you to steal it, they wouldn't have created it. They wouldn't have created it. <laughs> exactly. That's the deal well, we make going in as artists. Yep. Exactly. And so that's the takeaway you should get from this episode, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, all you get what you get and you don't complain about it. You don't complain about it. Yes. Y'all have a good week now. You hear? Bye. (laughs) Oh.
like a Muppet puppet. Yeah, creepy and eerie and question mark. 